Middle Call! Heavy Hey! Hello and welcome to Haber Middle Middle Call. I'm Guy. That. Still alive and well. John. Answering the question, if you don't exist on Twitter, do you exist in real life? The answer is yes, you most certainly do. And for me and my people, if you guys only are on Twitter, is anything actually going on on Twitter? I don't know. The answer is no. Well, I mean, people send you stuff, but, uh, you know, you have a Twitter consultant that fil- I use that filters out everything you don't want to see and just sends you the funny stuff. Like, how mad would you be if I, instead of sending you all the Raiders jokes that people tag me in and say, can you make sure John sees this? I just sent you all the stuff that made you angry. I only sent you political tweets. Uh, now, then you'd have to like block silence your, my messages. You, I'd get, I'd get put in text message timeout. But that's not what I do. I send you only the stuff that would make you laugh. Well, what really triggers me is the sports media's political tweets. And they're yeah. just how, how, much they pretend to be really angry when they're actually sitting at eating a sandwich. Okay. And, and now once you remove yourself from it, my, my life has been so much happier. I am afraid my scammer though could potentially sell my account. And then who knows? I mean, DMS, you just, I just, you know, there's know. a decade worth of who knows what's in there. Well, I, I uh, can you get canceled if you're not actually on Twitter? I don't think I can Monday, <laughs> Monday. I, I, I reported it again. Cause people, so many people are, DMing me and texting me. What what is going on? Um, I think that might be my legacy. I got scammed. I got hacked, and I just even when I get it back, I'm just gone. It's just had a hell of a run. Yeah. yeah. Maybe when crypto rebounds, you can get the account back and somehow make some money from whatever NFT deals your 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 account is currently pushing. In fairness to these NFT guys, I mean NFTs. I played golf with a guy last year who uh, dedicated his life. I think made three million dollars in like a some stock crypto thing invested it all in this NFT business. And I don't know if you've seen the NFTs. There's some debate right now about what Brady's net worth, if Brady's net worth has taken a hit based on the, you know, if he had money uh, in FTX. Rumors were a tweet forwarded to me that he, all of his money was there. Yeah. That was a rumor. Hard to believe that. that, True. Like at, at his level of wealth, would it make sense to just, Absolutely none. <laughs> I think the word is diversify. Yeah. So she's diversified. Have you seen her? Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then then maybe, you know, divorce her, ta- her Taekwondo teacher. What? Oh, she, you see, she was on with? a date. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wonder if she wants that out there to, you know, it's like a, it's like, you know, during free agency, rumors are that uh, JC Jackson has an offer on the table from, for X number, it's like you just throw that out to really piss them off. Yeah, she'd prefer that Brady was not two and zero post separation. Probably good point. He's hot. You know, I saw I saw a good tweet that it was based like, fellas, this just shows if you have a lady, she's only holding you back. Like, damn. <laughs> I think he won some Super Bowls while married, right? Uh, that's true, John. Before any go any further, uh, before any go any further, before we go any further, let's tell the people about our friends at Tito's. Tito's, handmade vodka, numero uno, so many great things that you can do, so many enjoyable things that you can do with Tito's alongside responsibly. Whether you're hanging, you're going out, you're hosting a party, you're going to a party, you're sidling up to the bar, whatever it is this holiday season and 12 months out of the year, Tito's handmade vodka is the way. 
We know our people don't uh, subscribe to Sober November, so let it rip. And we know Tito right now can't be happy with his uh, his football coach there at UT losing another game to Sonny Dykes. It's not pretty there. But uh, what Sark probably needed were a couple were a couple doubles. Tito sodas, Tito sodas, and lime. Is that correct? I, or is uh, it lemon? Lemon, lemon. Tito soda, lemon. If you want to drink, like the CEO, founder, and all time great businessman, Tito Beverage. Tito soda and a lemon. That's right. Uh, this is T- a, this Tito water and a lemon. Excuse Tito me. water. Sorry, sorry. Yep, Tito water. Tito soda is your your go to. Uh, I love the ginger beer. Little uh, ginger beer. I highly recommend the Trader Joe's ginger beer. Mix that with a little Tito's. That's a go to. Uh, John Daly. Little lemonade. A uh, little iced tea and a little Tito's. That's a go to. Maybe a Tito's bloody. Everyone's you know a lot of traveling this holiday season coming up, John. And you know what that means a lot of delays. A lot of airport bar hanging. So the Tito's Bloody Mary for your 8 a.m. delay, go um, have that ready. And as I said, the the John Daly at an airport, highly recommend that. Uh, So many other great recipes, by the way, like the apple cinnamon infusion uh, with some Tito's. It's all right there. Tito's handmade vodka. They do it the hard way to make it this good. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be sabered responsibly. Keep tagging me and Twitter and me and John and Instagram photos. We appreciate that as well. Thank you very much. And um, also we're brought to you by Manscaped. Oh, Manscaped. The best in men's grooming. Manscaped.com. When you use the code HAM, the number one, that's HAM1, at checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping. Guys, the holiday season. And what do you need to do during the holiday season? It's hard to find gifts, right? You know, socks sweatshirts, shirts. It's like that that stuff. The size never fits. People have to return. Sometimes they give you that side eye. You get them the best ball trimmer on the market, the Lawnmower 4.0. I have given this gift to countless people every single time. They have been elated. There's been jubilation in the handoff. And then I constantly get thank you for the Manscaped yep. uh, Lawnmower 4.0. I use it all the time. LED lighting, USB charger, waterproof. How about that? Yeah. I've never used it in the water. I, I just go right over the toilet. Boom. No nicks, no cuts. Best ball trimmer. I would say in the history of ball trimmers. Unlike Tito's, don't send picks, but enjoy it. Enjoy it very much. Uh, don't forget to apply the uh, aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant. Don't worry. It's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne-quality fragrance because right now, John, it's not just the whole, It's not just the, uh, the trimmer. You can get the Platinum Package 4.0, the Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer, the Weed Whacker nose oh. and ear hair trimmer with proprietary advanced skin-safe TM technology to protect. Both are waterproof, so uh, you can keep scaping even as the weather's changing. It's all there. The crop preserver, the crop reviver, the two free gifts and the platinum package, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag, 20% off and free shipping. Code ham and the number one at manscaped.com. Uh, get it all there. Code ham and the number one, manscaped.com. By the way, can we talk about Jeff Saturday just for a second? I know everybody's talking about Jeff Saturday. I don't want to have the same conversation that everybody else is having about Jeff Saturday. But um, I got several people on Instagram the other day hit me up because I posted a, a video about the um, the hire and just illustrating kind of the crazy history that Jim Irsay and his dad have had as owner of the Colts. Well, after the Colts beat the Raiders, a lot of people started hitting me up like, well, he's 1-0, he's 1-0, ha-ha, he's 1-0. Now, as I said, I, I was rooting for him. Let me be very clear on my stance at Jeff Saturday, John. I am not 
anti-Jeff Saturday getting hired because it's an insult to the profession for everybody that's paid their dues. Um, I just thought it was insane to hire a guy who was on ESPN three days before. But as I said, I hope it works. It's all of a sudden for like the last week, all of a sudden, people are freaking out about coaches, not, not waiting in line and waiting their turn, as if what just happened with Jeff Saturday and the Colts doesn't happen in every line of work that anybody watching this has been up or listening to this, if you're listening on the podcast, has seen something like this happen in their private life, in some business that they're in, right? It's not as if the highest test scores and the people with the longest time with the company are the people that get promoted. Right. Somebody comes in, they hire him from the outside. What does everybody say? He does that. They don't belong here like us. They're not one of us. They don't know this company like us. They get said all of the time. There is nothing more resisted than an outsider with authority. That's got to be at the top of the list of things that human beings on their most basic natural level resist an outsider who just became their boss. That is one of the worst things you can do. It it, it starts in youth, right? When your parents aren't around and someone bosses you around, when you get a substitute teacher. Listen to the babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. It starts at a young age, let alone to when you become a professional. Yeah. Like the idea that somehow NFL coaches are subjected to this uh, uh, insult of somebody less experienced than them getting a job that they wanted is somehow unique to NFL coaches. Like what are we? and, And the media, the media. The, I'm not, anti, you know, I am pro. I'm anti-media. <laughs> I'm pro journalism, which is a different thing. But like people in the media are like freaking out, like as, as if it doesn't happen around them on a daily basis or maybe with them for all we know. I don't want to go person by person, but I, I, I mean, I come on. This is not some new concept. This is listen, the way we, we, for better or worse that the world works. When you get shit canned twice by the time you're 31 years old, you, you realize very quickly, and I did, you know, contract not renewed one time, escorted out of a building a second time, which led to Haberman's ouster. Granted, you got to control your own ouster and tell them I'm out. But I mean, you were told you could return, but you took a stance. I appreciate it. Even though I think big picture, best thing, smart move. You, you, <laughs> uh, you, you realize life isn't fair. And you're told that very young. And I think it's very, very difficult to quite realize like life isn't fair till some shitty stuff happens to you because it's easy to hear that. Well, if your life's good and everything's going well, it's like until you hit a bumpy road, you go, okay. And then the older, the longer you're involved in business, you realize like, you know, nothing. I remember I wrote this down a long time ago and I kind of use this in anything I do. Like you don't deserve anything you kind of get in life what you negotiate and i remember being young and scouting and then radio thinking like you just deserve and things would that's not the way the world works and the faster you realize that the only way you control your own outcome in life is not as an employee it's as a you know an ownership stake in whatever because if you rent a house if you're an employee at any moment, you can get the boot, you can get fired, like stuff is out of your control. And that you could argue in life, stuff's always out of your control. But th- when you are getting a check from someone else that you work for, like the longer you're involved in that kind of hierarchy, I think the faster you realize, like, I, I can't assume things and I can't just pretend because my hard work on merit, showing up early, staying late means that much. Because the one thing we've seen with Jeff Saturday, and I've learned this in my own personal life over the years, 
is like your relationship with people sometimes is more important. And this is the shitty part about like the corporate structure, more important sometimes in the job, like how good you are, bad right. you are at a job. And, and you and I saw that firsthand when we worked together in a corporate setting. I, I saw that in football, like who you're friends with and close with usually trumps a lot of times merit and in, in certain jobs and I, you know, merit is it's easier to be black and white in a sales job or in a merit coaching can be job. Very than, subjective. Yeah, it can be very, very subjective. So I, all these people complaining, like, welcome to the fucking capitalism in the real world. It's like well, part of the game. The faster you, the faster you learn to play the game, guy, the faster the game won't play you, and at least you have a chance. Because if you're just going to complain, it ain't going to change. Yeah, I, I would say the faster you definitely recognize that it is not a to a one plus two equals three, right? Um, I think that's well said. I, now, there are a lot more people unqualified that fly, fly up. That I mean, Jeff Saturday was a team captain at center and, and helped negotiate the CBA. Like his resume, we act like he was just this like little engine that could. No, I, I, mean, I, I, I like Steve, Steve Kerr. Now, granted, you could say he was a general manager, had never coached a day in his life and got the head coach of the Warriors. Yeah. And I think people thought that was, you know, a lot of people didn't like that either. Um, but, I, I just do, because you I'm work not, hard at something too does not mean you're good at it, right? Right. And just because you played sports doesn't mean you can coach sports, right? But I'm just saying there are a lot of coaches in the NFL that I'm sure complained last week on all different teams throughout the league that say, I work really hard, I've been doing this long, does not mean you're really good at what you do, even though you might think that, which I think happens a lot. Yes. Yes. Hard, hard work is not, uh, don't let hard work make you think you're, hard work doesn't guarantee anything. No. I'll, I'll give you two Dan Habermans here. Price, hard work, price of admission. That was one I heard all my life. It's the price of it. Congrats on working hard. You're going to be ahead of a lot of people if you work hard, but it's still just, once you're trying to be a one percenter, it's just the price of admission. And two, deserve was never a word allowed in my house. Uh, John on the stream says, he's kind of mocking. He says it happens other places, therefore no criticism is warranted. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying no criticism is warranted. I'm, I'm, a little shocked is not the word amused at how so many people are acting as if this is some novel concept, like what you just described the phrase everyone has heard, right? It's not what, you know, it's who, you know, <laughs> like everyone has heard that phrase. Now, sometimes you have to live it to really believe yeah. it or feel it or whatever. It's, you know, being told something is different than experiencing something. And I'm not saying there's no criticism warranted, whatever. I, I, but I don't care about the criticism. Criticism so much is just acknowledging this is an insane thing to try. Doesn't mean if Jeff Saturday, how many games they have left? Seven, eight, whatever. Let's say he goes like six and two or something. Yeah, I, I will. Can't say a word. (laughs) Can't say if he gets the job and becomes a good NFL coach. Can't say a word. Now, my comment was the odds are that it fails miserably. Those are just the odds. That's not a Jeff Saturday comment. That's just the odds. Well, don't like 75% of coaches in college yeah, and pro but, you know, get fired but, within but, three or four but years. Exactly. You're paying a bunch of guys $10 million to fail miserably. So what the hell on some level? Um, and, and I think the main thing that drives me nuts right now, the way people are talking about it, is people are talking about it as if it's not some one-off crazy thing that just happened, right? As if like all these hardworking coaches now, what are they supposed to do? Well, don't worry. All the coaches who have been coaching forever, those are the people that are going to still get jobs, right? The guys who've been around, the coaches are still going to – It's suddenly a bunch of guys working at ESPN aren't going to start getting all the jobs. 
Why so not this? Are still going to get the coaching jobs. It, Jim Irsay didn't just change how the whole uh, league is going to hire coaches. Jeff Saturday, if he wins 10 games for the next 10 years, is still going to be an outlier in terms of who gets hired. So the whole like structure of coaching didn't just change. I know my scouting brethren would think, you know, part of this argument is even jumping the shark, all the people complaining that so many assistant, co- I mean, the average assistant coach in the NFL probably makes, I'm taking the average assistant coach is probably 550K. That's coordinators and assistants. I mean, every single coordinator makes seven figures. So th- these are beyond first class problems. Like, it's just, it, it's just a bunch of rich people complaining. And if we took it out of context of football and into a different industry, I think it would be talked about a lot differently, but it just, it brings in elements that people just naturally can complain. It's football, but this, we are talking about people that got quote unquote passed up. Let's say, let's say Gus Bradley. Like, why didn't you just, well, Gus Bradley just got there, but Gus Bradley's making two and a half million dollars. I would guess to be the defensive coordinator. So is he really getting fucked? I don't think it's the Gus Bradley's that people are worried about. Probably. Right. Yeah, I don't think it was a race thing though with Jeff Saturday for the like it was just that he passed everyone. Jim Mercedes on that hired staff. his buddy. That's what happened. Yeah, this specific instance, he That's just passed everyone. If, if Jeff Saturday hadn't existed, he probably would have just promoted somebody else. Well, Reggie Wayne's on the if he had if he had hired Reggie Wayne, probably would have been less Was Reggie outraged. a consultant. No, he's a wide receiver coach, I think, for the team or an assistant oh, okay. wide receiver coach. I didn't realize Reggie Wayne was on their staff. That's kind of yeah. Well, they had just put him last year. And Wonder I think why. a lot of people because, in the was it well, because 100%. Frank Reich really likes Reggie Wayne? One hundred percent. So no, it's just, no, it's not because Frank Reich really likes Reggie. No. Wayne. It's because the owner really likes Reggie Wayne. But but this, you know, in my hiatus away from uh, the Bird app, it's a it's an area I would say for the most part where beside game day when people just complain a lot, and that's just society people just complaining nonstop. Jeff Saturday had a good line. Like if I if I wanted any, like I didn't ask any of those people for advice. So why do I give a fuck what they said? You know, like all these people complaining, like the people I asked for advice, it wasn't any of these fucking losers. And I think, you know, the longer I've taken a step back, there's just people are always going to complain. And that is the that is the uh, megaphone for complaining. And that's where I see a lot of these people. Now, they Bill Cowher, Joe Thomas, they did it on whatever their show is. But I I don't watch any of those shows, so I never would have heard them. But I indirectly kind of got it forwarded to me. It's like no one. Bill Cowher, you got hired at 30 fucking four years old. I can't even imagine whatever year he got hired in like the late eighties, early nineties, every single person in the league complaining about that one. Right. Cause well, that was yeah, all the Shanahan guys. People complain. Right. Especially like Kyle. But and part of the point is everyone fucking complains about everything for the most part. Literally people complain nonstop about anything. So it's like, well, yeah, anyone he, that's worked in an office knows that, right? He probably couldn't have hired many people that people wouldn't have naturally complained about. Cause to me, this skips the step of like, those people deserve, like Frank deserved to get fired. Like that, what he was doing was a complete embarrassment. Then like who, who like the, the people that were most quote unquote uh, next in line, like, you know, guys that had been head coaches before had just gotten there. So if I, if I was Jim Ursay, here's why I will defend him. I could not look at these new coaches just because they had been head coaches before and thinking like, well, th- this is the guy you should. Well, I don't know if this guy's any good at his job. I've seen him for eight months and we've sucked when he's been here. Like I understand sitting in his shoes and being pissed off regardless of he's a drunk, druggy, fucking whack job. Like I, just from a football perspective, seeing it. 
Like most people would not look at the Raiders right now and be like, everything's going good. I love Josh McDaniels, but that's what Mark Davis thinks. So, you know, some of these owners are just a little out there to begin with. You know, they 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 live a little bit different life. You know, every yeah. single day look at also, in life I don't is believe free. I don't believe that he feels that way. I think he desperately wants it to work. And like you said the other day, he doesn't want to have to hire a new coach. Ultimately, here's what I think about quote unquote the fake outrage, though, which I think a lot of Jeff Saturday is no one actually really gives a fuck. <laughs> You know, a lot of it is no, very see, performance art. A lot of it's performance art. Well, but but I think like I think Joe Thomas is actually mad about it, and I think there's a lot of coaches. How could he actually, possibly be mad? Like, how would he he's care? got friends that have been coaches for thirty years that or twenty years or whatever who have never gotten a chance to be a head coach? Like, I think if you do remove whatever Twitter bullshit, like I think if I was a coach who'd been working as a coach for fifteen years and I never interviewed or whatever, like I'd be pissed about it. Like, he's the interim head coach. He didn't get the job. Understood, understood. But I'm just saying, like, I get that. Like, I to me, that's reasonable. Like, I I don't like there are things that I complain about that I think are legitimate complaints. But I also have to accept this is the way the world works, and this is the system, and you got to try and beat the system. And I think this falls in that category. I, just, I the part that bugs me is everyone acting like this is somehow going to change the no coaches will ever get jobs again it's all going to be tv guys which is not the case of course it's not the case right just but, like when but, john lynch when john lynch became the gm of the niners i'm sure a bunch of gm people were pissed off but see here's what i would say i think there is a dramatic difference of when cliff kingsbury got hired and everyone freaked of like guys getting a legit job and being the head coach for the foreseeable future and this more than likely is a short-term situation like the only way he gets it you know to get the job i would if he gets the job and he wins like two games, then yeah, I understand being outraged. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a hard time taking anyone seriously, truly putting on a Stephen A. performance on an interim coach. I have no problem with people getting worked up when guys get hired for the job because you would say for the most part, like like when Cliff got the job, you would say based on his resume, did not deserve it. That is 100% fact. And then he's had the job for what's he on now? Year four? Like he, More than likely, he's going to have the year for job for five or six years. Like you get an opportunity to not just showcase your skills, but like you get a, you get a to take off, like take flight. You know, the interim job midseason, for the most part, that is a shitty fucking job. The best interim you coach. You have to acknowledge he could become their head coach. 100%. But guy, he could have been. But that would have been. And if that becomes the case, it will be a massive story. And you could argue, well, the only reason he did, and Jim Irsay felt good about it, was his interim shop. But ultimately, he took over a team that was fucking pretty terrible. They had the worst offense. So if he does win, that's pretty fucking impressive because their offense has been, you would probably fall in the same category as me. You couldn't have paid me to watch the Frank Wright Colts the last month. Couldn't have paid me. They were the worst watch in the league. And I wouldn't have missed that game last Sunday for the world. I watched it actually on my computer because – I wasn't able to set up to also watch the Cowboys game, but I had to watch Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Now, you could argue because I wanted to see them beat the Raiders, but I had the game on, and just the game, just the Raider-Colts game, I thought was a pretty entertaining, just a good Sunday football. Like, that was a watchable game. They were not with Frank. Right. But but, but my overall point is the outrage, I think we got to put the any interim argument, even for his – out of the box, this scenario is is a lot different than hires in January and John Lynch and Mike Mayock. Like those are real hires, real jobs. The guy's going to have it for sure. the foreseeable future. Signing like Jeff Saturday did say, "I'm getting an eight. I, I sent like an eight week opportunity here. That's it, and it could end." When Mike Mayock and John Lynch or Cliff Kingsbury like they're signing three, four, five year contracts. Like that's you agree with that, right? It's a dramatic different on the scale. Uh, I do. So like the Joe Thomas Superman like. 
who's his friend on the staff that should have got the job? Was he doing a good job before? Like, what position was he coaching? I'm not saying you're saying that, but I'm just saying, like, is he the offensive line coach? Because I watched the offensive line. They were the worst offensive line in the league. What Gus Bradley, who just got there. So I, I just, I, I think this specific situation, like, if you want to get mad over and over about Eric Bieniemy, like, okay, there's some, you can make an argument there, even though everyone behind the scenes keep going, though, there's a lot of fucking baggage. And why one is them all modern? Why does Andy Reid keep kind of shoving them out? Like, what's going on there? But, like, that's a, the, the Brian Flores situation. This situation doesn't parallel any of those, in my opinion, based on, like, who on the staff should have been well, the there's guy. nothing sister. I mean, it's just, it is Jim Irsay hired his buddy, like his close buddy, not a guy he liked. To be the interim coach, though. To be the interim coach. It's insane. It might work. Sometimes insane things that are outside of the box work. Sometimes, more often than not, they don't. But sometimes they do, which is why if you're going to do stuff outside the box, you do a lot of things outside of the box, right? Like a venture capital firm. They don't invest in one crazy idea. They invest in 2,000 crazy ideas. And a couple of them hit, right? Yeah. So, like, I remember a few years ago, Michigan hired the CEO of Domino's to be its athletics director, Dave Brandon. Didn't work. I mean, it lasted like long time. That was like Rich Rod, right? Yeah, probably around Rich Rod. Pre Harbaugh. Pre Harbaugh. Didn't work. They tried. These things happen. People, people try crazy shit. But see, that's a good example. Like, you could also probably hire the CEO of X company to be your AD and it might work just like you can 100%. hire yeah. you can hire assistant ADs or ADs from other Power 5 schools and it fail. Like there's no for example when the Giants hired Pat Shermer and Joe Judge back to back. Think about it. Like Pat Shermer just been the offensive coordinator for Minnesota had been a head coach before second time around was going to work nope failed. Okay, we'll go a little younger. This guy from Belichick and Saban Crushed the interview. Pretty impressive. Special teams, a little John Harbaugh parallel. Couldn't have been any worse. So it's like th- there is no one thing we all agree. There is no path to just finding Andy Reid as head coach or every team would never get Nate Hackett or fucking, you know, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. I would have been like, God, this I, I don't think it'll work, but I, I do get why they're doing it. Right. Yeah. And he didn't even last the year. (laughs) No. So, And you would just base like, hey, listen, Jimmy Johnson, some coaches before, even Chip Kelly probably is not as terrible as the way I talk about him, even though it's a lot. I mean, this Niner year was an embarrassment, but you just like this notion. And maybe it's a bitterness that I have toward the coaching profession, how much more they make than the scouting profession and how many of them. I just think there's a lot more average to below making huge money. I mean, the, what's a lot the of guys getting hired just because you know their coach, their friend, the head coach is putting them on the payroll. What, what, what's the average salary in America? You think sixty thousand dollars? Not even? Yeah, maybe less. Yeah, with inflation, maybe. I bet if we look right now, I, my guess, my first gut guess would be like forty-eight. Didn't you? Was you telling me the other day that like I mean, tight end coach in the SEC makes two fifty? Like I mean, the, I think I think it was. I thought it was one. Was it two fifty? I thought it was, was two fifty. Yeah. Okay. I remember a running back coach in the SEC like four years ago was making four. So, I mean, the the money these guys make, we're not talking about like people fucking working at Walmart or in and out, you know? Th- these people have an incredible life. Now, it's hard work, but once you get the job, whether you're good or bad, like... You, and you it's get, high get, pressure, right? And your family could get dragged all over the place. Isn't like Hyman Roth, this is what we signed up for type deal? Yeah, well, 100%. I'm just, I'm, yeah. That's what the money's for is Don Draper. But yes, absolutely. But it also, you know, there's a lot of guys in college, you know, to get there, you are 
dragging your family around to make 50,000 and you might not, you know, you lose a job, you might not get a second. Right. True. My, my ultimate point is not, there's nothing to complain about. It's that people acting like this is some indication of something bigger with like coaches not getting chance. Like the whole coaching profession should be offended by this. I got no, pro- if you're a coach, like if I was an offensive coordinator who's been an offensive coordinator for th- 15 years and couldn't get a head coaching job or, you know, whatever the dynamic is. Yeah. You can be mad about it, but you're just wasting energy. That is the ultimate point. And like acting as if what Jim Ursay did is now going to happen around to the rest of these coaches. One lesson I learned a long time ago, and I've tried to remember, uh, you know, that if there's one person that you focus on, because that person got this job that you think you should get, it's like, well, if that person somehow kept you from having success, then there was more going on than that person, right? Like if you're head coach worthy and Jeff Saturday took your job and you never get another head coaching job because Jeff Saturday took your job, that's how you look at it. Like that guy took the Colts job, should have been me. Well, then go get another one, right? You got to find a way to get around Jeff Saturday. If Jeff Saturday blocked you from the future, you got to find a way to get around Jeff Saturday. There's only one Jeff Saturday. There's the hard part is there's only so many jobs. Like it's that's the hard thing with being a head coach in the NFL. There's only so many jobs and so few opportunities. But I don't know. Everyone being offended for everybody else is is a little much. Wait till Jeff Saturday beats the Eagles this week. And then John, look, Ursay's going to Eagles short week. Unstoppable. Is that game in Indy? Awful loss. Doesn't help, right? Doesn't help, and they kind of got shoved around a little bit. I'm betting against it all, but I think it'd be pretty fascinating if it worked. I so I think they were like, yeah, it's it's at Indy. I mean, I bet that place would be rocking, don't you think? Best eight and one Eagles coming in. I bet that's a tough ticket to get in town right now, don't you think? That's that's a good call. I think the Colts are getting like eleven points. Colts are not like we talked about the other day. Four, they, they won the game. They're five hundred. Yeah. Now they'd have to beat the Eagles, but they, Kyle, Shanahan, they, Kyle, Shanahan, they, Kyle Shanahan is Kyle Middlecoff. Does he become the Texans OC at whatever age? No, because he wouldn't have known Gary Kubiak. Yeah, well, exactly. But it doesn't mean he's not a good football coach now. If Peyton Manning wasn't Peyton Manning, would he get a fucking contract with ESPN for all this money or Tom Brady with Fox for all this money? Well, the money? question is if Peyton Manning wasn't Archie Manning's son. The difference is he earned it by being a really good player, but... But didn't Jeff Saturday earn opportunities to do stuff, being a sweet player too? Yeah, I would say it's not quite the same, but I'm also not getting hung up on what earn means. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if earn, I don't even, you can't quantify it. So there's no quantifying earned, really. He right? earned it because he was on the phone with Ursay for an hour every fucking Sunday for the last who knows how many years that had to earn him something. No one else was on the phone with Ursay all that time, right? Jeff Saturday was on the phone with Ursay. But, but he also benefited simply from like Frank sucking. If Frank was good, he never like Frank just keeps his job. Yeah, totally. I'm just saying, like, by being on like by being on the phone with Ursay all the time, he put himself in position to get that job. Yeah. He did accept the consulting job, which I'm sure a lot of players like, yes, yeah, I'm worth my time. Yeah, probably a headache. Well, he said he said I watched his press conference. Or not his pre- I, I watched it. He did 20 minutes with McAfee yesterday. Jim called him in the middle of the New England game and said, What the hell is going on? And Jeff's like Jim, I'm not watching the game right now. I'm in Atlanta. The game's on. I'm watching this Falcons game. 
I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch the game until later. <laughs> but I don't blame. Here's what I do not blame. I do not blame the owner of companies when they pay people a premium and that person sucks. Like, I, I don't. Like, you're not allowed to get mad at – you're only allowed to get so mad at an employee, you're paying minimum wage, right? You're saying Jerry Jones mad at Roger Goodell? You're allowed – but even – I'd argue on that one, like, how much is Jerry really putting in the pot for Roger? But he when knows you, Roger's making 50, $60 million. True, but, like, how much of that is Jerry's? Like, ultimately, Jim Ursay is paying Frank probably $11 million, and I'm watching my team be so fucking shit. I, I don't – They I, had minus 20 yards. No, it's so, not just it, – I think it's bigger than that. You guys told me to tr- to trade and pay Carson Wentz, and then you guys told me to pay Matt Ryan. Yeah. All right, so I, I let you guys get Wentz. We traded a first-round pick for him. Then you told me, no, actually, we got to get rid of him for Matt Ryan. At some point, I'm like, I-, I can't believe you people anymore. What are you selling me here? I was like, what's Michael Bidwell thinking after extending the, the whole building? Well, that's on him. He extended everybody. He does fly a little prop plane to games. He's a pilot. Oh, how far will he fly that thing? It's a good question. You mean I, just home I, games? He flies a prop plane. Maybe that's it. Yeah, prop plane from like North Scottsdale to Glendale. <laughs> Where's he land it? You know, I, I thought they played Minnesota the game I watched though. So you I can't don't know. take a prop plane from Arizona to Minnesota. No, it's too too far. Does he fly jets or just props? I mean, I think he can fly it all. He's Michael Bidwell, baby. Wow. All right, let's get some other stuff here, John. Uh, The NFC is taking shape after the football team beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football to get to 5-5. and You would say the 49ers are not hanging out with the best company uh, there with the 7th seed. Last week, it was the Falcons on their heels. This week, it's the Washington football team on their heels. Uh, So if you're judged by who you hang out with, the Niners not hanging out with the, the best of the best at this point. Wouldn't you say that it turns out the NFC East is what we thought the AFC West was going to be record-wise? I mean, the the dead last yeah, team dead last is five yeah. and five, and yep. everyone else is winning. Yep. So I, I think when the Niners play the football team in five weeks, whatever it is, Washington will probably be a 500 team. Um, their next four games are Houston, Atlanta. They play the Giants. Then they have a bye and play the Giants again. So that's who Washington plays the next four games in the next five weeks. So I think you can reasonably say they'll win two of those and lose two of those. Hell, maybe they win three of them. But I think it's reasonable to expect that if the Niners are hovering around 500, when they get to the football team on the day before Christmas, that that's going to be a dangerous game for them. And at this point, they're 5-4. and four, So I can't assume that they're going to be suddenly – three or four games over 500 when we get to that game. Maybe they will. Well, one, they, they need to stay ahead of Washington at this break because I think Washington's going to be around 500 when they play them. Well, Tampa's – I read some of Bruce Arians' quotes. He's like, I saw Tom smile for the first time last week. I mean, they, they are. They've won a couple games, like you said, since he got a divorce. So, you know, that, and the difference, I would say, the Tampa game and the Washington game because they're all similar records, right? Tampa's 5-5 five and five as well. Tampa's 5-5, five five, yeah is Tampa's going to win the division, right? So they, it feels like, are headed toward the four seed or potentially the three seed, depending on what happens with the Niners in Seattle. But, like, that's not that's not a wild card swing where it does feel like 
Either Washington or New York, pretty clear one of the two is probably going to be a wild card team, right? Unless Green Bay, who in a weird way could win two games in four days, kind of just gets right back into it. And they do have Aaron Rodgers. And you would say at five and six, you wouldn't completely count them out, right? If they go back-to-back wins against the Cowboys and the Titans, wouldn't that be a... It, it, I'm just saying from the wild card standpoint of that seven seed kind of fringe. I do think, though, when you look at teams at five and five, if you could get to 10 wins, you feel pretty good. Now, when you look at Seattle, to me, the wild card, like New York, it just the Giants fucking play the Lions this week. Even the Lions are playing a lot better, but like the Giants could easily win that game. Then all of a sudden, I mean, you get to eight and two. Like, how do you not get to 10 wins? <laughs> you know, you just, you're basically there. You go two and six the rest of the year. You got eight and two. Actually, there's seven games left. So you go two and five. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. Now, one thing we learned today, at least the 49ers swept these guys. Cooper Cup, who knows how long he's out, right? It's not just a high ankle sprain. He's getting that surgery. The thing, remember, wasn't that the he's thing? On that, at least four weeks. Wasn't that the thing that Mac and Bill, the, the, the rumors were they were arguing over? You can get that surgery that takes a little tension off the high ankle sprain. Regardless, like you said, he's on IR. They're fucked. I mean, they, they are fucked. Seattle hasn't – you alerted – not cleared concussion protocol as we record this. And he was already banged up before. Like, I would say if they had their pick, if you told me they just put Matt Stafford on ice the rest of the year or he got surgery on the elbow or something would be pretty believable. But, like, it doesn't really behoove them to lose. But they don't right? have their pick, John. <laughs> no, they don't. But the Rams have not played Seattle yet. So, I, you know, is it reasonable to think that a Wofford and Cooper Cupless team is going to beat Seattle? I – Rams, I, I watched a lot of the Rams, the Arizona. The Rams are terrible. So my point is, like, Seattle is actually in pretty good shape to just rattle off a couple victories here. Yeah. I mean, I think they're hard. They still play the Raiders. Uh, they, they do play the Chiefs and the Niners and the Jets. But, like, what would you put your money on wins the division? Because I, I don't think we're going to. Arizona. Uh, repeat that. Repeat what you just said. You got me again. You asked what I think wins the division. Yeah. What number? And then make the case you just made. Well, last year when they didn't win the division, they got a wild card of 10 wins. The Rams had just made this crazy trade and they ultimately went on to win the Super Bowl. And the Cardinals, like, when fully healthy and with Hopkins, like, they are, they do have a, I mean, from Buda Baker to Isaiah Simmons to obviously Kyler Hopkins, they traded for Ertz. Like, they, they were, they do have a lot of talent to lose to Seattle. I mean, lose out on the division to a team. Gino, what Gino's doing, tip my cap, but Geno Smith, rookie tackles, a rookie running back, rookies all over the, you know, they cut Bobby Wagner, they, their best player on defense, potentially a rookie corner. I mean, you're dealing with a, what did Christian McCaffrey say? I looked around, I thought, am I in fucking Hawaii at the Pro Bowl? Like, that's, I don't think you can lose to them without kind of getting some legit criticism. Be one yeah, thing I to, think, like last year was you know understandable and and you ultimately made up for it. Seattle, the rosters, come on. Are you asking me what guarantees you win the division? I would say eleven guarantees you the division. Does ten get it to you with tiebreakers? Yeah, if you sweep Seattle, if you beat Seattle, then I think ten again. Then I think ten wins the division. If you beat Seattle in the next meeting and win ten games, to me that wins you the division. Because you'd have the tiebreaker, and I don't think Seattle wins 11 games. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So, you know, I 
I know a lot of people are, I mean, Gino, what's Gino? 17 touchdowns, four picks. I think that's, I think that's his 17 touchdowns, four picks, 73%. Awesome story. I'm glad he had, he didn't write back the people that wrote him off. You just, I am betting against that being a seven, his 17 game ratio. I'm just betting against it. It's It's not, it's not the way this sport works. 99 times out of a hundred where in somebody's what nine or 10th year, they suddenly become, was he more likely to be rich Gannon or have like a six week Teddy Bridgewater run? Yeah. I, I think he, 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 when you watch him play though, he is, he does have physical talent. He's he is not some schmo. I'm not saying that. I'm but I'd even man. say like you know like when you watch Teddy is a good example because he had yeah. that little run for Drew Brees. That's his like Gino does throw up like he's got a strong arm and they do got some weapons on the like the one thing he does have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and a star rookie running back like they, they do got some firepower for him right. Yeah. He's, he's not just doing this with Haberman, Middlecoff, and fucking some random tight end. No, with a state with a stable franchise that knows how to win and just rookies that are clearly you know. Kicking ass. That's another thing. Can does John he is, just John, have a 17 game season if, with no if, hiccups? If, if I told you the 49ers quarterback was 73%, 17 touchdowns, four picks. I mean, like that's incredible. That is most quarterbacks with those numbers are MVP level players, and they're six and four. Which is good. Yeah, well, that, but no, but that's that's my argument. No one's acting like He's not playing with a Niners roster. Like their rosters with a lot of 22 year olds, a lot of moving parts, a lot of newer guys, right? He does not have, beside DK and Lockett, they're, I, they're depending on a lot of young they players. They should not win this division. Is that fuck no? Have, I'm saying to be that good, to, to play your best and be six and four, to me is not good. Like they would really, like to me, they need to be like seven and three right now to feel great. I, what they are doing is really impressive, but for me to really buy in, I, I'm just I'm not totally bought in. I'm just not, and and I I think betting against Pete Carroll is a losing bet. But I will I will say now. their next three games Most before the but their next three games before the Niner game at Levi's, yeah. uh, Raiders Rams Panthers. When's twelve fifteen? Is that a Thursday night? Yeah, they play Seattle on Thursday night football. Yeah, Raiders Rams Panthers In Seattle. So Raiders, I mean. It's not inconceivable they go two and one in that stretch, right? No. And then all of a sudden you're eight and three. And in, yeah. or would they, no, eight they'd be four, eight, and eight, five. And five. eight and five. Eight and five with Niners, Chiefs, Jets, and Rams still to play. Week 18, Rams will probably pack it in, right? Uh, I mean, but they don't have, pack it in for what? Well, I just mean like they just, uh, I just mean their players are not going to approach that game. Their players will approach that game like one, two, three, Cancun. You would think, but like last year's a good example of Seattle had nothing to play for, and they played Arizona the last week of the season just with some pride, and they kicked the shit out of them. That's just that's what Pete Carroll teams do, baby. But I, you think Sean, maybe Sean McVay's already at Amazon. I just don't know. I, like the Rams right now just look. They've like, never been in that position. They're the so defending champs, and sometimes defending champs look like this. Well, they've had injuries, and they've been very top-heavy. They're a uniquely they're, built team. Yeah, well, and just defending champs. It happens sometimes. So... um. I agree with you. You can't. <laughs> it would be bad. And if you say, well, guy, Gino finishes the year with 30 touchdowns and seven or eight interceptions. I'd be like, holy shit. That's amazing. It'd be one of the more improbable stories in recent memory. Yeah. I, right. It would be. Pete would be coach of the year 
a year in which they traded away Russ. That's the other part of it. And his they team tra- sucks. They well, traded away Russell. The difference than them and the Lions is they also might have a high pick coming back for them, but they're winning. And can you imagine, even if you just made the wild card and had like the seventh pick from the Denver Broncos, what a year that would be for Pete and John? I mean, is that one of the great fuck you, everybody? You think people talk shit about Jeff Saturday. I would say the shit talked about John Schneider and Pete Carroll, I'm guilty probably as anybody, was at a universal high. I mean, people shitting on them, especially Pete, especially Pete. Who would be executive of the year? Miami? Yeah, what did he really do? We got Tyreek. Hired Mike McDaniel. If Miami like wins its division, that's pretty good, right? I uh, think I think John Schneider. If they make the playoffs and all those draft picks, and Denver sucks. Yeah, yeah. Because who would be executive not of the year? Would it be General Payton? <laughs> Great question. Uh, Nate Hackett, Russell Wilson, two hundred fifty million. Like that, yeah, up there. Ziegler, not really his fault, but. Yeah, I blame Josh more than him. You know, I blame the Packers right now, John. <laughs> you don't think they could have got Mark Davis to give them two ones for Devontae? I think they could have. Real, real misstep by them. They got a one and a two. Well, I think one thing with Tyreek and Devontae, because neither of them got, you know, two ones or even two twos, was that you're giving a guy a third contract at historic amount of money for both. I do wonder if both of them had been like two years younger with the production. They they were, even though historically, like how is Devontae and Tyreek, barring injury, and injury could happen to anyone, going to suck within the next three years? Like they sure look, both look pretty good to me, right? <laughs> like both their games just feel like they're going to go for a while. It doesn't like, you know, remember when Tyreek just all of a sudden got slow at 31? Like maybe like 35, but he doesn't feel like he's getting slower in the next couple of years, does he? No. And Devontae's game is more predicated and even slower on, still might be okay. Yeah, and Devontae's never been predicated on like being a blazing fast guy. I thought Devontae was really playing his ass off the other day against the Colts, like trying to break tackles and stuff. That's why I kind of think Derek also cried is because he's like, I convinced this guy to come here. He's playing his balls off, and this guy's used to fucking playing in front of 40 million people. Now we're losing to Jeff Saturday. My own friend. Yeah, that it is something about my own friend. Now you can always justify it. Well, you did get $70 million guaranteed. But it's a, you know, when you take somebody to a bad restaurant, it's more you feel bad that you took them there than that you're eating the bad food. You know, I recommended this place. I hosted you. I told you it'd be good. I brought you here. I brought you here. But I got you paid. He would, anyone would have paid him, right? I, that's where I wonder if Mark Davis, now Ziegler would like the, Patriots guys especially wouldn't have wanted to trade two ones, but I do wonder just given the, the Derek connection, if the Raiders could have been bullied into two ones. What if also Derek knows their first inclination was not to do trades like that? Like that's not a Patriot thing. And they kind of did it because of the quarterback and his friendship. And then it's like, well, cause I saw Vic, did you forward this to me? Someone forwarded me like, what would the Raiders have been without Devonte? He's having an awesome year. that. Yeah, yeah. I sent you that. <laughs> what what would have happened? I curated that Twitter experience for you. What would the, what would have happened? What well, you? Nothing. They, they wouldn't be worse, would they? How could they be worse? 
Well, maybe because well, they've been in a lot of games where they'd be getting blown out. They might have won some games. I don't know. <laughs> he's the one watching it every day, not me. So I think they would have really sucked. I mean, he's he's him and Jacobs are their offense. Yeah. Whew. Anyway, John, let's tell the people about our friends at Sleep Number. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Go to sleepnumber.com slash ham right now and discover special offers for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Yeah, better sleep is key for this fall season, right? You need a well-rested night when you're hosting people, when you're going shopping, do it online, when you're cooking for the maybe family. Family coming into town. Family coming into town. Maybe you're going to family, so you got to mm-hmm. go, you know, hop on one of those uh, those Southwest flights, get a little, uh, you know, Tito's before. Did you know that eight out of ten couples say one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Yeah. <laughs> I hate sleeping hot, I'll tell you that much. Amen. I like sleeping ice cold and uh you don't want to sleep too hot temper ba- uh, balancing bedding is designed to move heat moisture away from when you're hot sleep too cold consider a dual control mattress layer or blanket that allows you to individualize your warmth on either side of the bed come on people step up your sleeping game hey look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new sleep number climate 360 smart bed oh. that actively warms or cools each side so you both sleep blissfully, comfortably. And, you know, you can have different sleep numbers. Like John likes a little softer. His sleep number 40. Me, my sleep number is 55. Baby, go get it. Go check it out. Go look into it. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Choose proven quality sleep because your best every day requires great sleep. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local sleep number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions last night i was thinking about ordering out and then i reached into the freezer grabbed some ground beef and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night with butcher box you don't have to worry about what's for dinner butcher box is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials you get peace of mind with butcher box because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. 
plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts, boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code ham. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year and saving on travel, vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app, Future you will thank you. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use game time. You just download the app on your smartphone and you can search any event, concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you just see a funny tweet? No. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's a little blow, bro. Uh, Niners play in uh, Mexico. Estadio Azteca this week, John. Uh, at elevation, so they left on Tuesday to go to Colorado Springs to practice at the Air Force Academy. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Mile mile high plus, I think. I think Air Force Academy is higher elevation than a uh, mile high stadium. 
So you're saying the boys they went to the the Warriors game last night, and they had to uh, be at the plane today. So maybe they knew they had an easy day. Could get a little. I saw Kittle had a little wine in his hand. You know, it's like guys, you're allowed to drink beers. You can tell they're always like they don't want to get caught on camera. It's like fuck, no one cares, guys. Uh, I did get him around. Get him around, Joe. You, you notice how t- Joe was not the clips I saw. It's like he's so mad. I mean, you see Wiseman got sent to the G League. Not Joe looked the pissed. I did see that. That's pretty bad. I, my first thought was, I don't think that's good. Uh, this at this point in your career to be, you know, getting it's uh, a guy. It's a disaster. It, now, would would Shanahan have sent like Brandon Ayuk to the G League at the beginning of last year? I would say the difference though is he was the number two pick in the draft by year three. I mean, like Kinlaw is a disaster, and that's a, just an injury, and that's just a disaster, right? Just because his knee might not work. It's like, does this guy suck? Yeah, hey, we just want you to get more feel playing live basketball, but we don't want to put you in our games because that's not going to work. Yeah, they just played a, a shitty, like, there there are shitty NBA teams. Like, you're not playing the 96 Bulls every well, night. King, right? Yeah, Kings just beat them. Kings actually is 500. Um, anyway, so you've been watching. I have not yet watched the Cardinals uh, midseason hard knocks, but you know, we talked about kind of the NFC picture right now and how Washington's on their heels. It's a, uh, it's time to just stop with the roller coaster every week and go take care of business against the Cardinals this week in Mexico city. Where would you, would you rather play? uh, We're recording this on Tuesday, so we'll see. And who knows? I mean, I could see him being limited in practice. I think last week he was basically a game time decision, even though maybe they knew, Maybe he's a little closer this week. Uh, a guy with a tight hamstring who is a run-first small quarterback or just, and even he got banged up, a healthy Colt McCoy who last year beat him. And it just, I watched a decent amount of that game live. They had an energy. Now, granted, the Rams were in shambles, but it's like they believe in Colt McCoy. And like him and him and uh, Hopkins are on the same page. Like you watch Colt McCoy, you just go, that's a good backup. Like I, I know for a fact, Chase Daniels can't hold this guy's jock as just a player. Like it, it's kind of criminal. Maybe he just loves living in this area. I like to, to me, he feels like someone should give him like a three or fifteen million dollar contract. They should have been. They should have been paying him. They're paying. Well, they him can't. Nothing. They got a forty five million dollar starter. Yeah, I I don't think it matters. First of all, it doesn't matter. Hamstringed Kyler or Colt McCoy, who cannot sneak up on you this time because he already beat you, kicked your ass last year. Doesn't matter. I mean, uh, Ertz is out, right? For the season, so this, which is devastating, because he what, what were his numbers? How many balls he was four out of the last six games? They'd given him ten plus targets. They were throwing the ball to Ertz a ton. Yeah, he, I mean he was on pace for about ninety catches, eight touchdowns. I mean he had forty seven catches, and he's just you just watch him. Like, that's that is I think fifteen more catches than Kittle has. He's I mean he's still he's not what he was like in his heyday when he's like walk off touchdowns for the Eagles, but he's still a really good player that they really like and. That is a devastating blow. Now, one thing with Hopkins, he is probably like the most unique player at his position. He's not fast. He does not get open. He's like a rebounder. This is like every night gets 18. His body position and then just ability to like catch anything that you throw is what he is a fucking vacuum cleaner, but he's, but he's slow. But then when the ball's in his hands, he's like the slow version of like Debo. Like he can make moves. It's, He's there's nothing like him. And I, I know Bill O'Brien hated that he like hated practice. I will say this about the guy, because I, I understand that bothering you if you're a coach. I've been watching him since he's been a card. It feels like he plays hard when he is on 
on Sundays for them. And I didn't watch that much Texans football. Obviously, he was an elite player for them. I'm just saying, since the Texans have got him, when he's on the field, it's like 10 for 120 in a tug, and his tug is like one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone with two guys draped on him. He is a monster. So to me, with Ertz being out, Ertz would have been a tough matchup for the Niners safeties who were clearly struggling to cover fucking who knows who for the Chargers. Right. I mean, that just so they have both those guys because, in theory, Ward, bigger corner who can run on, but it doesn't matter. Like Hopkins is not quote unquote, I need to get open guy. Right. I would just chalk him up for eight to 10 catches and probably a touchdown. But does like Ertz add that extra six or seven? And that's both those guys equal seven first downs combined that are backbreakers. A couple of them are on third and eight. So you remove Ertz. You know, Benjamin had been playing well whenever I watched him. They cut him. I, I wonder Texas if he did. Him. I wonder if he did something. You know, one of those like showed up late and they needed so to mad at like, Kyler. You cut, you know, <laughs> yeah. So it's like the Tarkanian thing. They were so pissed at Kentucky. Yeah. They popped. Well, you remember State. who remember the two guys who were the two guys? It was two guys showed up. Was it uh, Blunt and Bell, but only Blunt get left behind? Well, Bell got a DUI. Yeah. But did they both get left behind? Well, I think night? I think someone picked because it was on a it was on a one lane road to where the airport was. Someone Bell just like hopped in another car or a blunt did. Oh, okay. So one. So I, I think thought, I think but... I think uh, Levion went to the the clink. Okay. Uh, somebody pointed out here on the stream Shanahan's three and seven against Arizona. That's correct. Shanahan is three and seven against Arizona. Last year, he lost to the Cardinals twice. The year before, he split with the Cardinals. The year before that was 2019. He beat him twice. But remember, that? those two games were tough as fuck. I remember one on like Thursday night when uh, Andy Isabella had a play and Richard Sherman like cut. I, I just remember thinking both those games they could have lost. Ten point game in San Francisco and a two point or a three point game in Arizona. I, I if I remember the ten point game too was not an easy game. I think you're right about that. Actually, let me open up that box score. Year before that, 2018, Niners lost them both. Don't you, you feel that just 2017 like, Niners lost them both? A lot of memories of Kyler just kind of scrambling behind the line of scrimmage, going back and forth, keeping plays alive, and the Niners having trouble with it. Uh, yeah, Niners trailed going into the fourth by two. It's, it's one of Shanahan's comeback wins, John. And um, Kendrick Bourne caught a touchdown from Jimmy. Kyler then brought him back with uh, Kyler, then just gave him the lead. So they had the lead. Yeah, they had the lead late. Jeff Wilson caught a touchdown pass from Jimmy. So, God, Cliff has given Kyle some troubles. Yes, he really has. I mean, this is not like I. We just all watched that game together on Sunday night, right? They won, and that was great that they won. But this idea that like that anything is assured with them any week, nothing is guaranteed with this team, John. The Cardinals in Mexico City is not guaranteed. The football team on Christmas Eve is not guaranteed. Now, if they win their next four games, I'll look at the Washington football team a little bit differently. I know what the Niners should do, but they have not consistently done what they should do this year. They have you feel good about them against at home against Dennis Allen and the Saints? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I should. But every time I turn their, turn them on and go, today's not going to be a problem. They're, they're down 10 to three in the second quarter. I know. One score away from being down 17 to three. 
So they have not they have not earned that yet. Now I Boy. believe in them and I like their players and I like I think their coach is good. But they have not earned any assumptions. Yet. Well, if I told Especially you this, this if, week against Arizona, if, 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 who owns them? If I told you the 49ers were down 13 to 7 against the Saints, you'd be like 100% believable. If I said the Bills exactly. if I said the Bills or Chiefs were down 13 to 7 at home against the Saints, you'd be like no fucking way, right? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I, I in a weird way am confident about this game. I Ertz makes me feel better. I I I don't think the Niners cover very well those safeties. I mean, they are just always running from behind. One thing that's pretty clear, but in Syria they should be able to run with slow slower guys is the Niners their weak point is the middle of the field and the safeties like teams are going out of them. Their, their corner position, which I don't want to say they fixed, they lost a guy in, in Mosley, but their corner position would have been really good. It feels much, much, much better than the debacle that we all witnessed last year. Their safeties this year. Now, Jimmy's been, you know, missed a lot of time. And I, you know, anytime you've been playing with a thing on your hand, you get it taken off. Like there is a, a transitional period, but it's Hufanga is just like, it's pretty clear. He's a good player. He's not a one-on-one coverage guy. And that was the question when we talk about like, why did people question what he did? Cause most teams don't feel comfortable. And the Niners do with just playing him specifically in that role, but he is kind of running around, you know, sometimes when he gets put in space, like that is a place, a place that's advantageous to the offense, right? When you get him backpedaling in space, if you have weapons, which wouldn't you say that most NFL teams feel pretty good about, like tight ends and wide receivers? I mean, most that's teams thing. have good ones. Yeah, that's a great point, right? Because you're like, oh, the, uh, Team X, they're not that good. And then you'll flip them on. You'll be like, oh, shit, they got Pitts and London. Didn't oh, you think shit. that kind of about the commanders? You're like, oh, they got McLaurin. They got Samuel. They got Logan Thomas. Oh, they got yeah. a running back that was shot and looked sweet. And then I love that Samuel Bra- Brian Robinson. <laughs> I love that, that that Samuel at like half of Debo's weight runs like Debo on like end arounds. Just I think he looks pretty good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> But but most teams, unless you're the Giants, have pretty or the Jags like feel really good about your skill guys at wide receiver and tight end. Some teams are better than others, obviously, but like when fully healthy, the Cardinals would have been a problem, right? With Ertz, Rondale Moore, I mean Hollywood. Whenever I turn on the the whole game, someone DM me. They're like, "Is it weird that Kyler's not wearing a headset?" And I'm like, "Well, a little your bud." I guess, but it's, you know, it's, I would imagine some coaches just like, just stay away. You know, this is, you don't throw By off. the way, what are the, what play calls are they calling? It's not exactly Shanahan's offense, right? They have seven plays. He stands right next to Hollywood, who is a smaller wide receiver. They're the same size. I mean, they look kind of like the same body types. It's pretty crazy when you see him out of pads. You're like, God, that guy's tiny. They paid him $45 million a year. And they, and they don't like him. That's the other thing. They had to put a clause in his contract to make him study. So maybe there was, was a there was like a monsoon. Actually, there was a monsoon like two weeks ago, and they were practicing outside. And on the hard knocks, like they're getting right before they're like seven on seven, and then they go to team. And Kyler, like they do this like slow montage of him like clicking his buttons, like his buckles. He's like lock in. Lock in. It's like, like oh Kyler's whispering that to himself. Yeah, like time to lock in. Now it was getting serious. Like it was like a important part of practice but he's like felt like he was playing it up for the camera you're not locking in so are you saying that you'd feel better if he does not play or if he does i don't hate uh tight hammy kyler murray that has to play within the pocket yeah with the with hopkins kind of annoyed with him right 
feels like Hopkins loved Colt McCoy. Yeah. I see that clip. I mean, of course, because the backup is always like, where's the star receiver? I'm just going to throw him in double coverage. The star quarterback thinks he can make he like, no, I'm going to distribute. That's what I do. The backup is. Yeah. The backup. I, to me, the backup always looks for the star receiver. Do you know what I think part of the problem with cliff is? And in that clip, I don't know if they showed it in the clip, but in the hard knocks part. So it's, they yelling at each other was strong. Hopkins like, bro, I'm open. Throw me the ball. And Kyler's like, I, I will throw you the ball. And they kind of, and then Cliff goes offense, gathers them up. And he just said, no, they cannot stop us. And I bet every single game, especially when they're losing, he's always saying that, right? We are so much faster than them. They can't stop us yet. You're constantly getting stopped. <laughs> so it's like, in theory, I get what you're saying, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. In, from Cliff's mind on the sideline, when Rondale's out there, he's running. Hollywood's running. Now he's got fucking Hopkins and Ertz. He's like, God damn, I got weapons everywhere. I would have fucking died to have this in the Big 12. No one, in theory, should be able to stop us. But Cliff, you're constantly getting stopped. Like, every game. I think they were the lowest scoring first quarter team in the league. I would imagine they're up there lowest scoring first half team in the league. They've scored a lot of their points in the second half. Hmm. That's what was so weird about the game with Colt McCoy. They just scored some early touchdowns. They're not used to doing that. They're like the comeback kids. I I do wonder if in his mind, like we're actually we got guys wide open all the time. Well, that's not the that's not the point of football, right? It's like that was a good look. Well, you shot thirty percent from three, so your good looks aren't going in very often. But right? if you're, yeah, I mean, but you just think eighty-two games. If our good shooters get good looks, that'll work out in the end, right? Yeah, in football now we have. You I don't mean, have eighty-two games in football, John. You got to hit your good looks when they're but open. I, but I've already seen like over their ten-game stretch. I mean, they've won whatever four of them, and it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, that's the other thing though. Like, if they were to win this game, they'd kind of be alive, wouldn't they? Four and six, it'd be a five and six. Like, they're not totally dead. I guess. I mean, we are hit. They would have to. They would have to change who they have historically been under Cliff, which is awful at the last two months of the season. I guess my point though is, I think, and I know I do this. I talk about them like they're a two-win team, and they do have four wins. I think it's a little better than I, the average person probably talks about them. Like their overall record. They're a little closer to the action than I think people think. Yeah. You're right. I don't think of them like they're close to the action, but the win against the Rams helped them. Now you can say that, I mean, the Rams were rolled out John Wofford and they lost Kirk, Cooper Cup in the game. We couldn't walk. Yeah. Tough little stretch here coming up for the Cardinals. The Niners could just kind of ruin them. Niners, Chargers, Patriots. They could just, feels like they could get overwhelmed in that little stretch. They are bad. Again, they're bad November and December. So. Niners also a little lucked out. I saw on my uh, my new Twitter, Roto World, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both good to go this week. They did luck out. I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I, I watched the Chargers thinking, oh my God, we found a more unlucky team than the 49ers. That's do you, do you, well. Do you think if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were just full go in that game, the Niners probably lose given the game that they played? I don't know. Uh, maybe I just the Niners find ways that, that to me they just play in close games. If you told me all their like they they just they play in these games no matter who the other team is. They play that game against the Bears. They played against the Falcons. They didn't do it to the Panthers, but they just play in that game a lot. So I tend to think even if I. I I tend to think even if the Chargers had better players, it still would have kind of looked the same. Now, I'm not saying the Niners would have won, but. Yeah. Well, if Mike Williams scores a couple touchdowns, then that probably means that IU can Debo score a touchdown to match them. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. 
I just think they play in the same game. It's them. It's them. <laughs> it's not you. It's them. Like they do it to themselves. I, I'm not looking forward to like a 13-13 fourth quarter game against the Saints. That I already have like the heebie-jeebies thinking about consuming that. I know. Uh, McGlinchey. John Lynch felt compelled to come to his defense last week on radio and KMBR. Some clips you and I talked about a little bit, but when we did the show Sunday night, we hadn't quite, you know, been on the internet looking at all the clips. Um, but a couple clips that went around McGlinchey, particularly on the Elijah Mitchell slip and fall, which even with a with a block, it might not have changed anything on the goal line. Um, did, did you did you think he kind of tripped too, Mitchell? Yeah, Mitchell a hundred percent tripped. Yeah, would he have been able to crawl untouched or at least do a jump off the ground potentially? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it was a really short yardage situation, so he might have. There was another linebacker flowing too that might have hit him at the goal line. If he's on his knees, it would have been tough. I, well, I think there's two things, right? Like the point is, McGlinchey's non-block on that play might not have mattered to that play at all, but it did happen. In like, a very crucial situation. It, yeah, right? when we talk about like process over results, that was the result might not have been changed, but it was alarming to see that play in that critical spot. Let's even take a step back because they clearly feel, McGlinchey clearly feels that he's unfairly destroyed on social media. Do you think if Mike McGlinchey, their starting right tackle, had been Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, fifth-round pick, who has become the Niners starter at right tackle the last couple of years, does he get the same, I would say, vitriol from people talking shit about him that he's not any good? No, he does not get the same attention if he's a fifth-round pick. He's the ninth overall pick. And within the last 24 months, he's pushed back against this. He's gone out of his way to push back against this. I think a good example is I think is he's, he's scaled that back in the last... 100% because I think you realize he can't win on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. A great example is Jimmy Garoppolo, who takes 50x the shit on a, just a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a game day basis, and just takes it. It doesn't say anything, and he's a quarterback, and we all see it. Now, it's a little different because you're specifically watching Jimmy. You're not always specifically watching the tackle, and you really do see them when they get smoked. And make a lot more money. Now, he was the ninth pick, and he's currently making, I think, Basically, if you round up $11 million. So, Mike, you consistently get smoked in passing situations that then lead to, I would say, typically sacks. And a lot of times his sacks feel like, because when do the Niners pass? Well, they ain't usually passing on first down. They pass on passing situations like third and eight. Ruined drives. And when John says this, I honestly, and again, this is relative to doing a podcast for a living, I think it's kind of offensive to just the random fan. And when I say offensive, I don't mean they're actually spending time like being, but it's like, that's a slap in the face to people that watch every single snap. Like, no, John, we see this. That is a horrific play from a guy that you drafted really high. You can't keep, like, you don't have to tell me Christian McCaffrey's was worth it because within two games, I realized, yeah, this guy's sweet. You, you don't, we, we didn't have to argue long about Ayuk or Debo or Kittle or Fred Warner or even fucking Al Shire and Greenlaw or Armstead, or Bosa, like, we all can see with our eyes, or Hufunga. Like, why do we see McGlinchey? We see him during the game. Like, it, you play in a lot of Sunday, Monday night games, so what usually happens after big sacks, Chris or Troy or whoever, even in years past, they will go specifically, like, watch this rush by Khalil. And who's it always against? It's always against Mike. And even for the first time, they have kind of some random guys. 
Aaron Banks isn't technically random because he was a second-round pick, but they have new players at the interior line spots. Beside a couple plays throughout the season with Jake Brendel, we really haven't spent that much time talking about the two guards in the center. I'll say it is Jake Brendel. I don't know how much center credit should get on the sneaks, but the sneaks, which Jimmy gets a lot of credit for, work. Wouldn't you say that the guard and center positions, those three guys, have been dramatically better than everyone thought was going to be the case coming into the season? Yes. And it's clear if you just ask people that watch every 49er game, which are millions of people, like this team has one of the biggest followings in the league, that who's the worst player on the offense? It wouldn't be, you know, beside like, I guess you could say the quarterback, but I would say that McGlinchey would come up 100% of the time, it would feel like, right? Yes. You know, of the 11 starters, the first guy beside, you know, they would replace Jimmy with like Mahomes or if they could, but like McGlinchey is a liability because he, he just, He's not that good. If Mike McGlinchey was a free agent to start next year, and he, he might end up being, we'll see. What would you do? You think he gets like a multi-year contract? Because I, I have a hard time seeing that. Uh, I have a hard time seeing it now. You know, if he was somebody else's first-round pick, might the Niners sign him and tr- because they would say, "Oh, we will." He graded really well in the run, and we think he would fit with us. Blah blah blah. But we're not paying him eleven million. Well, I, guy, I expect the Niners to keep him. I do too, you? because you still have to find a better right tackle. And I think part of, I think part of it is that John Lynch believes what he says about hey, you guys only see the bad plays. I, I also think, in fairness, that I think part of it is just trying to get his guys back because he feels like nobody gets my guys back, and I need to stand up for him and defend him. And you know, maybe it's a confidence issue to some degree as well. I don't know. So I, I do. You know, I get that, like, from John Lynch's perspective. I do, too, but I think it could be as simply as this, like, listen, you know, we have confidence in him. He's played in a lot of big games for him. But when you do say things, listen, what we both like John Lynch, and I I like him. I'm not trying to act like he's some village idiot on this one. But when you go specifically, like, he gets unfair treatment on social media, I do think that's bullshit. But again, it's it's bullshit or not. Like, it's I am going to say something that I may not believe or may not be correct because I am – I'm only speaking to Mike McGlinchey when I say this, and it's Mike, I got your back. I'm on your side. And I, sometimes that's part of the job. You just have to do that. That's how he feels because he's trying to get through the season without his right tackle losing all his confidence because it felt like in the past McGlinchey's confidence has been part of the problem is what it feels like. When I think what they would say is like run blocking, he's fantastic for us. I'd say, yeah, but in the NFL, <laughs> at minimum, at minimum in a normal game, even a weather game, you're going to pass it. 20 times and he is a dramatic liability in a league that has most teams have pretty functional pass rushers and he just can't avoid like you just can't avoid you know being in a one-on-one situation and last week's a perfect example they have one good defensive lineman on their entire team and he's just up against McGlinchey every single time and he killed didn't have to yeah I I do wonder like if we got to talk to the Niners off to talk to you know, Kyle Shanahan about, and really have an honest conversation about to what degree does this affect George Kittle and George's ability to produce. Now looking at George's numbers, he's on pace for basically the same season from a catches standpoint that he had last year. How many catches does he have right now? 29. Um, Which honestly, when I looked at it at first, I was like, God, that's low. But then when you pace it out, it's 70 catches. His, but, and historically, 70 catches is pretty good for a tight end. Exactly. You know? 
Exactly. So it's it, even though at times it feels like where's George, he's going to have a similar year. Um, but I do wonder to what degree. Sure doesn't they, feel like he's going to get seventy catches, does it? It's the pace he's on. But no, I I know. Um, like, does George get less in the passing game because he is required to block more, and is he required to block more because of McGlinchey in past situations? That would be, I don't know the answer to that, but that thought crossed my mind today because I saw somebody else put a clip up of George kind of having to, you know, chip some pass rusher before he gets to McGlinchey, before he goes into his route. I, I, I just think the other thing that I think the even casual, I'm not talking to the guy that lives on Twitter and sees all these clips, is for the most part, the Niners, they have a ton of high level good players who handle themselves pretty good through the ups and the downs. Yeah. And it does feel like I don't look at McGlinchey the same after he got like he let that impact him. It's like, Mike, you're supposed to part of the reason they drafted you was like super high level guy doesn't let shit bother you from Notre Dame blue collar. And it's like you're worried about fucking people on Twitter. I agree. It's, and, it's and, alarming. And, and then there are just fundamental physical characteristics with him. Right. He's in. He's one of the taller guys. I don't know how many six, nine offensive linemen there are right now currently in the NFL, he might be the tallest tackle in the league. And he clearly is an average athlete at best. And he's not very strong. So he just has, like, there are just elements. I do believe, it's not like he's, I I don't believe he's scared, right? Or like, you know, there have been tackles, trust me, that are in NFL circles, people consider a puss or whatever. He's not tough. And and he's definitely not. He's not. It's he loves. He wants to compete. Right, one hundred percent. He wants the smoke. He just lacks. Right, like there's just strength and foot quickness, and just overall ability to be low that are working against him. So even that, yeah, he, he'd have no problem mixing it up and getting into a scuffle or whatever. But he physically can't. You know, as you can see with Khalil Mack, like he's so much lower than him. It's just that they're just. It's physics. I mean, it's why I think a lot of old school and probably new school too offensive line coaches just six six is about the cutoff. You know, Trent is unique because he's enormous, but he can bend like he's a guard or a wide receiver, and his movement, his strength, and he's just he's got it all. And and you could argue that's part of the problem. He's also just constantly being compared to one of the best pound for pound players in the league. Well, but I, I don't. I don't think he is being compared to him all the time. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about Trent. No, he's not. I, I'm just saying, like, I think it'd be worse if there was not a better left tackle on the team. Fans just know what it looks like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Which, by the way, I, you probably didn't see this. Charles says, did you guys see the thing going around about Trent Williams and how predictable he is based on the placement of his left foot pre-snap? But it doesn't matter because it's Trent, LOL. I did see that. Uh, Jesse. I saw it. Jesse's been in our chat before and has a YouTube show. It had like a bunch of still shots. Wouldn't it matter though, for knowing that the other team, like tipping your pitch, knowing what the Niners are going to do. That was the thing. Like he had a bunch of still shots of like Trent where his heel is and his left foot is based on runs or passes. It might not matter for his individual matchup, but he's got a kick that, well, exactly, exactly. But if he's got a kick back to pass, protect his legs in a different position, according to uh, that analysis that I saw. So, Sometimes you need, um, you know, it's like when golf fans tweet, uh, call in uh, rules violations from watching on TV. Sometimes a little outside uh, support is good. Can you imagine if you like 
tipped your club in a hazard and you were good, like shot 67, then they, they actually, uh, Julie and Mount Claire called in, uh, round two, you, you barely hit the sand. We're going to dock you two shots. Yeah. I'm sorry. Who called it? How about when you, how about being the O-line coach when you walk into the meeting? Like, all right, everybody, a Trent before we get started. I got some tweets here. We can go ahead and put those on. Uh, you can laugh about but, it, but if that's true, the Niners need to like talk about that, right? If it's true. Again, I haven't broken it down, but um, I saw the photos on the internet. So it, it's absolutely something they would, if to me, like if you're the quality control guy or whatever, you see that, you're like, let me check the tape here. I might need to bring this to somebody's attention. I do think that McGlinchey's one of their biggest offseason question marks. If they keep him at what price? Like, is he coming back for like five million bucks? Do they just let him hit free agency and see what else is out there? Well, is it price related or is it availability related? What do you mean? Well, like, are they willing to bring him back at price X or is their first priority? Let's find somebody else regardless of, you know, as long as we can fit. If we can upgrade underneath the cap, we need to do that. Or do they look at it like, oh, for four million, we'd bring him back. Well, if Mike McGlinchey isn't the starting right tackle on this team, is he a lock to be a starting right tackle for another person team next year? Um, I, I, w- I shouldn't say lock, but I, I would bet he is starting for somebody next. Started year. a lot of games in the NFL, a lot of wins. Yeah, has been the worst player in most of the offenses he's ever started on. But yeah, maybe not. I, I don't know. That's a good question. One thing he has working for him is supply and demand. They're just there's a limited number of functional starting tackles and he is a functional starting tackle but as you saw i think the chargers are somewhat of a good example right even chris at by the end of the game was like this guy's doing a pretty good job given the circumstance on nick bosa right and who was was that guy an undrafted free agent i mean they have obviously had a lot of injuries like do you know what's weird is everyone's terrified like oh as long as our, you know, if our starting tackles go down, we're really in trouble. And they always go down, and then a guy starts, and just like the game happens, he gives up one sack. So what's the fuck's the difference of that guy for the Chargers and McGlinchey's performance, where they both gave up the same amount of pressures? You know, maybe McGlinchey's better in the run game, but I, I, we've seen him before. Remember when the Niners they lost McGlinchey and Joe Staley? Everyone's like, oh my god, they're done. Their Super Bowl hopes are over. And then Jalen Moore came in, and McKivitz and Brunskill, and it's like, you know, they beat the Rams without Trent last year. <laughs> I think people freak out more than like, yeah, this guy's 6'6", 300. Like, he might give up a sack. But besides like Trent Williams and three other players in the league, most players give up a sack every other game. Yeah. Or have the capability of giving up a sack. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like to say? The other guys get paid too? A lot. Uh, Danny, great day today after suffering a uh, ankle sprain during pregame warmups on Sunday, John. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's, I I would guess when, let's just assume he did a jump and he lands on it. It's you are trying to kind of shake it off. Right. Cause you do not want to be the guy that gets hurt in warmups. A thousand percent. Yeah. But he not only got hurt in warmups, they just signed a wide receiver, the practice squad. So his injury, it might not just be like, you know, they might be saying day to day, but it might be a while. And he's, does he have the little sports car feel? It, he does. Remember the first practice we saw him at? He had the Theragun going on his quad or his hammy, one of the two, during the practice after a couple of drills. Um, do you see the Niners sign Jacob Eason also? 
Well, they cut the other quarterback that was Jen on the correct. I know, but Easton's not to me, it's an odd, like he's not a Shanahan fit, but he I as I recall, he actually was a little better in the was he not terrible in the preseason? He's just not act I don't think he's he's weird. It's a weird fit. My me. guess Big I have no inside information on this. I wonder if that other quarterback pissed someone off, did something, and like got cut out of principle. And they just needed a guy to come in. They're playing Brady. They're playing some other quarterbacks. Just get a quarterback to run your scout team. Did did uh, did Eason just get cut, or has he been available? Uh, my guess is he's been available. But yeah, I think so too. If he just gotten cut, I could maybe understand it. But. Was he with the Colts this preseason? No, uh, the preseason, yes. But now that I think about it, maybe that was two preseasons ago that I was thinking of. Maybe he was somewhere else this preseason. He's the Panthers. Yeah, because Ellinger had the good preseason for the Colts this year. He has uh he's been with the Panthers. Yeah, he got signed on the practice squad. <clears throat> and then when Baker got hurt and Sam wasn't available, that he was their backup quarterback with PJ Walker. But then Baker came back and they cut him because Sam came back too. So he's been available. I mean like it's not. I mean, the Cowboys brought him in. I mean, anytime you can get a highly blue chip guy just to have on your practice squad around, I don't think it's that abnormal. And a lot of guys in practice squad get cut. If you get replaced by the same position, like they're down on you. Your margin for error that is just like be early, stay late, do not piss anyone off, be a good guy, low ego. You don't just randomly get cut and then replaced by the same position if things are going well. No. Would be my experience. If you get replaced by like a D tackle because of injuries, okay. It's just, you know, when they like just numbers game, we didn't want to do it completely. It's not a lie. Even though that's a classic corporate line, it's a complete lie. It's not a lie in the NFL. When you get replaced by another quarterback, it might just be as simple as, you know, the just always trimming the fat. We just, you know, we've got to bring. We had our time with him. He clearly wasn't good enough. We'd given up. Ben Kurt ain't ain't the guy, right? <laughs> Are you shocked by that? No, of course not. I never heard of the guy. You just cycle guys to the back end. Maybe we can make something out of this guy. You hear the stat last night that Jalen had never had a comeback victory. Now, granted, he's only started, he never trailed, but in his career, Jalen hurts. He doesn't get credit for the national championship game. Tua did that. I would imagine they had some trail situations last year, right? Yeah, that's, I'm I'm saying, I'm he's, like Kyle, he's like Kyle Shanahan and quarterbacks. That's crazy. But what? But how? My question is, what's the record? Like win oh and four? But yeah, yeah, I know. But like, oh, or Kyle's record is like one and third, or not two. Trailing into the fourth. Well, this quarter. year he's eight, he was eight and zero with mainly blowouts. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, he only started the five or six games at the end of Wentz, and then he started all last year. So yeah, it's small sample size. He did make a sweet pass that got that was fumbled. I mean, is that his fault? No. They're down six with five minutes left. He hits the dude down the middle of the field. The guy they create a fumble. They did lose at some point. Yeah, they weren't. You know, pretty early though for uh, Mercury Morris and the boys to celebrate. <laughs> Devin says Jacob Eason's a blue chip. Yeah, I mean, he went to Georgia. He wasn't a blue-chip NFL prospect, but he got drafted, what, fourth round without really much college production? Was he a fourth-rounder? Blue-chip was men out of high school. As, uh, he doesn't deserve but, but that again, Was he a fourth-round pick? 
his college production was not, he had one year at Washington. He had a couple good games and a few really impressive throws fourth. Uh, his production did not, what do you have his numbers? He's like his collegiate, his yeah. final year at Washington. He was 64%, 23 touchdowns, eight picks. I'm telling you, I watched it. He it looks, really it looks better than it was. Yeah, agreed. So in other words, part of the reason he was a fourth rounder is because of his physicality. So I actually think it, I think it holds up. I I'm with Devin. He's not like an NFL blue chipper necessarily, but he got drafted higher than most guys who looked the way he looked and had the career that he had get drafted. Feels like Washington had an underwhelming season with him. Correct. Yeah. I think they won eight games that year, maybe seven or eight. That was Chris Peterson's last year. I think. 18. Well, maybe it was his 18. Was that Chris Peterson's last year? You know, it's weird. They went 10 and three. They went 10 and three that year. Give me their uh, schedule. No, they 2017. He had a great game against BYU. That I remember. No, nah, wrong year. Wrong year. Oh, okay. two, two, 2018 would have been his. They went 10 and three. That was, uh, that was the Rose Bowl year. Yeah. That was the next year after him. Is that what you're saying? That was Browning's last year. Hayner oh. was the backup, technically. Okay. 2018 Washington Huskies. It says 10 and 4, but... Yeah, he went... He went 10 and 4? 10 and 4. But he didn't... He. He was not their quarterback in the Rose Bowl, was he? Against Ohio State? No, they uh, played Penn State. The Huskies finished the 17th season. Due to their head-to-head with Stanford, they did not represent the North Division in the Pac-12. They were invited to the Fiesta Bowl. That was the previous season. This year, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, but it happened. I thought he... No, they went eight and five his year, 2019. They went eight and five. The year before, they went tw- 10 and four with Jacob Browning. They went to the Rose Bowl. Was Easton on that team? Uh, Easton oh, yeah, was because that, that, year. Th- that was the rule. Yeah. Okay. He was red. 2019, he was their quarterback. They went eight and five. They beat, <laughs> they beat Boise in the Vegas Bowl. And, um, and then Chris Peterson retired and gave the job to Jimmy Lake. Now they got, now they got DeBoer. DeBoer? DeBauer? Was Kalen DeBoer, who's having the best debut season for a Washington coach ever, by the way. Have you had a chance to watch that game? Oregon Washington? Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Huh? What did you think? I thought of, Michael Penix had one of the best games I've ever seen. I love Michael Penix, man. What did you think of Dan Lanning, Oregon's coach? Tie game. A minute and a half left. Two timeouts at his own 34-yard line, fourth down in a yard, going for it. No issue. What what play did they run again? Uh, they ran like a zone read that wasn't really a read with their backup quarterback and the yeah, running back. Kind of Bo had the off. fucked up ankle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think had. But Bo was that- on the sideline telling the coach, like, put me back in. 
So my analysis was this. I thought it's one of the closest fourth down calls we've seen since Belichick did it in 09 with Kevin Falk against the Colts. Like to me, it's now Belichick had the lead. I remember that game. I remember it really clearly because I was oh, doing well, like, Wasn't it 34-31? What was the score of the game? A thir- uh, which game? What was the score in this Washington-Oregon game? This game was, was tied. It was tied. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When Belichick did it against the, the, the Colts in 09, he actually had the lead and didn't want to give the ball to Peyton. It was, but it was fourth down and like a long two from his own 28. Went for it, didn't get it. Everyone killed him. This is it. Like most fourth down decisions are not like that. This one was like that. It was a tie game, their own 34 yard line. Basically, if you don't get it, they're going to kick a field goal and take the lead, which is exactly what happened. But I think it was that crazy. Well, did he not want to play for overtime because he has a backup quarterback? Well, Knicks ended up coming back into the game. They had been shoving the ball down Washington's throat on the run game. But I, to me, the mistake was not doing it. It was call the timeout, put Bo Nix back into the game. Bo Nix is saying he can come back in. He did come back. Put him back in the game right there. Just take a moment. Take a breath. Stop. Think about it. Get the play right. Because the the the, the quarterback was just not a threat. And the, the running back slipped and fell. I mean, I think Bo Nix is having one of the most – I thought this guy sucks, and he's actually pretty good seasons I ever remember. <laughs> I am with you, man. And then, like, he's just laying it all on the line. It's like, I I like this guy a lot. And I, I text someone during the game. I have a few pops. I'm like, Bo Nix is a lock to get drafted? They're like, oh, uh, yeah. He's like, got a big arm. He's big. Big-time big. athlete. I mean, he's not He's not big, big, but he's, he's a fantastic athlete. Yeah, people like him. I, I think he's earned a lot of respect back in this tr- transition. One of the knocks on him was like, you know, not a great leader, kind of maybe a me guy, and uh, you know, gets up tight. And I think a lot of that stuff has changed. People talk like it's changed. Because what's going to be the knocks on Penix? Right, he can't really move that well. S- significant injury history, but he can fucking sling it, man. Beautiful deep ball. I mean, is there anything more beautiful than the lefty deep ball? Do you know, I think Jalen Hurst throws a good-looking deep ball. Jalen throws a great – I'm with you. Jalen Hurst throws a great deep ball. I actually don't think a lefty deep ball is as pretty as a righty. I think a lefty is weird-looking. But Penix makes it look good. The one he hit lefty ball late in the not game. Lefty swinging. True, but it's I, – I, there's something about it. His guys are always wide-ass open, too. He playing with NFL wide receivers? I think he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number one, a Dunze, um is really good, but – Big, to me, big, the, the, the the darkness, the cold, the whole thing, like, that was sweet. It felt like a Raven Steelers or something, but with the colors, it, it was. UW Oregon's a sweet game. This week it's Utah Oregon at seven thirty p.m. Uh, that's another we, good game. Well, if Utah wins, are they in pretty good position to get back to the game? To the conference title game? Yeah, yeah. Do they need help? No, no. They they control their destiny. So the winner of this game is going probably. Not, I mean, you you have to like Oregon if they win, still has to beat Oregon State the next week, which the, Oregon State's been playing well. Yeah, and that game's in Corvallis. What's the spread on USC UCLA? Uh, I think it's UCLA two and a half. But let me so, check. so USC wins, they're in. USC they're wins, they're in. They're the only one that can win this weekend and get in because they only they, have one league. They don't. They this they it. only have one loss. Yeah, they only have one loss. Do you think they would like? It'd be weird, right? They win this game. It'd be big. They'd be celebrating, but then they still have a game against Notre Dame. Would they, what would they look like against Notre Dame? Like that's well, still a big good... deal because they got to win that game for the college football playoff. So it's still a big. Oh, deal. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. They're still playing for shit. That is true. Uh, UCLA plus two and a half. Because that win against that Notre Dame actually wouldn't look as 
bad as it once would have. I mean, Notre Dame's going to go nine and three and beat Clemson. So, yeah, I mean, if you beat them, then maybe they'll go eight. I think Notre Dame's record seven and three right now, right? Yeah. I was watching. They, I mean, they've been better. He's got a top three recruiting class. But as we see with Jimbo, it doesn't guarantee anything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody comparing Jimbo and Kevin Sumlin's uh, A&M tenures today. I just remember in the offseason and recruiting, it was all like, this isn't fair. Texas and Texas A&M. Texas has given every offensive lineman 100 grand. Texas A&M fucking paying everybody. And look at those two schools. I mean, Sonny Dykes, TCU's got some money, and they got some players. But, I mean, give me a break. And Jimbo, like, that's all that money those two schools. That's all we heard about. Remember how unfair it was? The oil money that those schools had? The oil money! And it's like, oh, Sark fucking four losses already. And Jimbo, they're not even going to make a bowl game. And Sark's, let's face it, Sark's 8-4 and four does not feel good, does it? No. He's lost to TCU. He's lost to Texas Tech. I read something that great. I read something into like if it wasn't for Arch Manning's commitment, Sark would be in major trouble. Well, still has to sign John. Like Jaden Rashada from the Bay Area doesn't feel like he's a bounce around I, I guy. But Jaden Rashada just flipped from you Miami to Florida. Could you blame Arch if he goes? You know, I'm just going to go play with Kirby and go to Georgia. Nope, couldn't blame him. <laughs> hey Arch, that's what I do. Now, do you, wanna, behind, do you want to follow Stenson? The guy behind yours is the interesting portal guy, too. Hudson Card. Kind of people are like, where's he going to end up? Because he's not staying. Well, I heard Dilfer talk about Ewers, and he gave the analogy of no one throws a prettier ball. Like If, you just, if he was a golfer, you just watched him on the range. It was like, oh, my God, watch this guy hit fucking five irons, 210. He's like, but then he couldn't chip and putt. He's like his footwork. He's a train wreck. Also, bad body language guy. Mm. I mean, guy, when he looks bad, yours looks like uh, who's a terrible NFL court. You know, when you're just watching like Jacoby Brissett throw pick after pick. Even he's a bad example because he's better. Like someone who's just terrible, like a like a Chase Daniel or something. Like this is real. Yours looks like that when he's playing bad. Like it, the offense doesn't function. Balls are skipping. Balls are flying. It's like this guy's the number one player that didn't he go Bryce Harper quit high school early because he wanted the money. Remember that? He went to Ohio State. <laughs> what was it? What was Harper's deal? Like bounced out of high Harper school for went, JC. You know, Harper went to junior college, Southern Nevada, Southern Nevada Junior College or Southern Reno or something junior college. Like his senior year in high school, so he could go to the draft a year early. I think was it like his junior year in high school? I think he skipped his senior year of high school. I thought is what it was. Otherwise, why would he have had to? You know what I mean? Like, I think he went to the draft ahead of his senior year, but in order to do it, he had to go to junior college. Graduated. I'd probably bet. I'd probably bet against yours turning out like Bryce Harper, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's a good bet. Corey says Niners are five and four. We really feel that confident. That showing after a bye with that roster, not so much. Agreed. Got to pick it up. Big game Monday night. I'm excited for Troy and Joe. I haven't, you know. You know, I'm just so used to them doing big NFC games. You know, oh. now they just do the Monday night game. It's good. I, I'm a big Burkhart and Olsen guy. Those guys are fantastic. But there's something just about Fox and Troy, you know? Fox, Troy's on a- ABC now. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I, you kind of just, something you got so used to with those two yeah, guys, yeah. just Fox me, and Joe and Troy. That's big, but Monday night football feels bigger. Would you agree with that? 
True. My point though is like I enjoyed like Fox had a pretty. I mean, their number two crew was Burkhart. Like they were just deep. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I, so Fox, like Olsen and Burkhart, it's like yeah, this is big. But then Monday night's also big. It's been a win for the fan. The problem though is when you get like the C or D crew, it's like oh my god. But that but that's not like my. That's point always is, been the Fox, case. I just felt like Fox didn't lose. Like their big game still feels huge. You know. Agreed. All right. On that note, ooh, Trip said Art should go to Auburn with Lane. That would be sweet. Too risky, though. That would be pretty incredible, though. I would just go to Georgia. That would be incredible. Why even overthink it? All right. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Later. Later.